and welcome to GameSpot After Dark, episode 48. This is GameSpot's official video game podcast. I'm your host, filling in for Jake, who's taking a break. I'm Callie Plaguey, and I'm joined by John Luke Seipke. What up? Michael Hyam. What do you do? And a very special guest today, Steve Saylor, the blind gamer and media editor at Can I Play That? Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Mm. Oh, this is absolutely, the pleasure is all mine. I'm, I've been excited to, to talk with you all uh, about a, a ton of stuff and, of course, probably The Last of Us, which I am very excited to talk about as well. It's, it's going to be a fun one. One of the more fun discussions of The Last of Us. Yes, that I was going to say, have. this is, is going to be this is gonna be some good discourse. You could yeah. say the okay. only Real discussion talk. I'm interested in having about The Last of Us. Fair, uh, fair. You know, it, it is, it's quite the discoursey game but um we're gonna have a good time today uh before we jump into what we've been playing we always do this i don't know if you've uh, heard of our famous segment here the chris from dayton ohio (laughs) segment i'm not gonna do the song this time because i'm introing it and it just the dynamic just doesn't work there however uh this is the segment that everybody knows and loves where we ask you who the hell are you Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Steve Saylor. I'm commonly known as a blind gamer. Uh, I'm an accessibility advocate and consultant. I've worked with uh, several studios, including uh, Ubisoft, EA, and most recently Naughty Dog on The Last of Us Part Two. I am a media editor at CanIPlayThat.com, which is an accessibility-focused uh, website uh, where we do video game reviews from an accessibility standpoint. And yeah, and also I am now kind of sort of known as the guy who cried on the internet uh, about accessibility <laughs> settings in The Last of Us 2. Um, and yeah, that's been a surreal experience. It's <laughs> a wonderful thing to be yeah. known for. Of I'll, I'll, all the things to be known for on the internet, that's one know, of the, my favorite ones. If people know me, it's I'm a big fan of crying. So shouts out to you, Steve. <laughs> Aww. We hear... We love, we love to cry. So, um, all right, let's 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 get into it. All right, let's go. So, part of the um, part of the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment is like, what kind of games do you like? Um, are there like games that you always go back to? That kind of thing, gaming background stuff, just so people get to know you a little bit better. Uh, well, for me, my gaming background is kind of a bit weird and mixed. I uh, grew up mainly as a casual gamer at best, and uh, mainly because I, it, it, from a sex, accessibility standpoint, I just I always thought like I just sucked at video games. Uh, I would watch my brother play them more often than I would play them myself. But uh, the games I was able to play and, and enjoy. Um, mostly are a lot of the, sort of the franchise type games. So anything from like Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, the, the Matrix even. Um, like, it, it, yeah, like any of those kind of games. I think probably though some of my favorite games of all time, uh, I mean, The Last of Us 2 is, is now up there, uh, Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2 and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And, and that kind of sums up a lot of, sort of what I enjoy the most, which is something that's very heavy and story-based uh, and just like, a, like something I can just sort of sink my teeth into um, without it being super huge and open world, because sometimes those can scare me, AKA 
<clears throat> Skyrim. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of my gaming background, and uh, I, I I've only just been kind of really getting into hard like hardcore into the gaming side uh, since 2015, since starting my YouTube channel uh, where I start playing video games for just to kind of entertain my friends, and uh, basically I've been saying for years, hey, I suck at video games. Here's proof. <laughs> and it was just a great way to be able to do that. And then eventually over time, I kind of uh, got into the accessibility side uh, and I've been an advocate uh, ever since. So uh, I'm always on the lookout for sort of amazing games. And yeah, it, that's, that's a lot of it kind of summed up in a nutshell. But yeah, that's my gaming background. That's awesome. Um, I, so Breath of the Wild and Red Dead Redemption 2 are kind of linked in my mind because of like, how you just kind of go where your heart takes you oh yeah and follow the mm. the weird incidental story things that happen so i see the pattern there for sure um but i forget what i was gonna say i just i don't know <laughs> oh i know what i was okay. gonna say i know what i was gonna say uh i think getting into like covering an aspect of games really changes your relationship with them um and I was going to ask if, like, you feel like your experience with gaming has changed since you've gotten into that accessibility advocacy. Because, you know, you can tell, like, it meant so much to you. I mean, everybody could see that with The Last of Us Part Two. Do you think covering it has something to do with that? Or just because you've played a lot of games in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say... Uh it's it definitely has changed sort of my relationship with games um kind of a a quick story um like i said i always thought that i just sucked at games and and it was more like on my youtube channel used to say like it was more funny to watch me fail than it is for me to actually do well and uh it was um it wasn't until uh, i was invited to be a a panelist um at a, a ux summit that was put on by ubisoft in toronto and they had uh, developers from all around the world kind of come up and, and learn from other developers about uh, UI, UX, and they kind of dedicated a whole day to accessibility. And I had obviously like heard of accessibility at that point, and I was like, oh, that's cool. But I was more thinking of it from my perspective. I was like, oh, I'm the only gamer here that's on a panel, the rest of all the just developers. And I, was, I felt like I was kind of like representing the gamers um, to the people that get to make our favorite games. And it wasn't until I was on stage uh, in the middle of, of the panel and I had uh, Bryce Johnson, who is uh, the accessibility tech lead for Microsoft, who helped co-invent the adaptive controller. And then I had uh, Alex uh, Neoniki, uh, concept artist on Last of Us 2 at Naughty Dog. And uh, she was also a large responsible for the accessibility on Uncharted 4. Sitting there, it was like, it was actually in that moment. And like, I think there's video proof of this. You can be able to see kind of that this particular moment when I realized it was like, okay, I've been telling myself that for years I sucked at games, but it was that games sucked for me. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. it was at that moment forward that accessibility kind of became basically just how I felt, fo- like what I focused on. And it allowed me to sort of take a look at games from uh, from that sort of uh, critical eye and more more different than than sort of just reviewing a game uh, on the story and gameplay, which I still do and I and I and I love and I love discussing all of that stuff. But being able to see kind of the the nuts and bolts and the concepts of accessibility 
um, was was really interesting to me and definitely changed the way I sort of saw games. Like for instance, The Witcher Three. I know how much of a of a huge like game that is for people, and it's some people's favorite game of all time. Um, Jake Decker. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, and I I was so frustrated by it because of the lack of accessibility options. Mm-hmm. And and I know that's ironic because I'm wearing a cyberpunk shirt right now, <laughs> uh, which I do hope that with cyberpunk that they kind of change the, the way they sort of look at accessibility. But the text was so small on that screen that I literally was inches away from my TV and I still could barely read the, mm. the, the mm-hmm. menus that were in that. Um, and same with uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. I had never played of that before uh, up until literally last year. Uh, I thought it was like kind of like when like it was one of those games that just sort of passed me by and I know how great and how amazing that is and and again it's like on like the top list of some of the best games of all time but I grew frustrated with it because it just wasn't accessible for me mm-hmm. and I actually had to stop halfway through because I couldn't play any further and that like that to me uh, was uh, was frustrating but also made me more focused on like okay I want to make sure that like kids growing up today uh, that are disabled, whether you have a, a visual impairment, uh, you're deaf or hard of hearing, or you have a motor disability, I want to make sure that the games that, that those kids are going to be able to play are going to be accessible to them so they don't have to have that frustration. And that, to me, spurs me on as, as, as anytime I get frustrated over options that are like accessibility options that are not in the games, but, uh, uh, and I get to celebrate the successes much like the last of us. That's wonderful. Um, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think, you know, there's, there's lots of things about gaming that in the past have been barriers for lots of different kinds of people to get into them. Right. So it's, it's not always about accessibility, but I think a lot of people and a lot of our listeners can really relate to that. So we'll talk about that more in depth with The Last of Us specifically. Sure. Um, I, just, I just want to call out you spitting bars when you said, um, was it, uh, when you realized that you didn't suck at games, games suck for you. And I was like, that's bars right there. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, uh, that, 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 I, I, just saying that, I'm like, that clicks for me. I'm like, yes, yeah. I see exactly yeah. what you're trying to get at. And I hope, you know, folks uh, like you have really, because for us, we, we take games, like we, we, we play them and we take them for granted in many ways because we can interact with them on, on that level. But it's easy for us to forget about like, okay, there are small things that can break a game for someone who might need that little extra help to just get past certain things like text. Like, of course, in RPG, you need to read text uh, to advance, but if it's illegible, then it breaks the entire game and that's that's unfortunate so uh i'm really glad like these conversations are becoming normalized and that that's that's really cool man yeah and and i i totally agree and and i and i get it too like it's not uh i'm not i'm never upset at um anybody who just sort of doesn't think of these sort of things or even developers when they're not uh sort of thinking about it when they're in development because i get it like it's something that doesn't necessarily touch on an aspect of life, whether they, they either don't have a disability themselves or they don't know anyone that has a disability. So mm-hmm. that never seems that will always come top of mind, but that's why there are advocates like myself that uh, are speaking up about it and basically letting developers like, it's okay, we get it. You know about it now, 
and let's <laughs> let's let, let's see if we can be able to work together to at least be able to create something uh, because we always say like even when when I'm consulting with studios, it's like it's okay to start small and build up from there for future projects because you learn as you go and we're not expecting every game to be 100% uh, perfectly accessible out of the gate. Even The Last of Us 2, it started with the accessibility that they brought in on Uncharted 4 and mm -hmm. a few of the things that they even added in as features that weren't necessarily built for accessibility in Uncharted 4 became a staple accessibility feature in The Last of Us uh, and we'll talk about that in a bit but like it's it started from there and because of the what they learned from it naughty dog was basically able to take last of us 2 and just sort of like okay let's start let's start from let's start from the beginning and, and let's run with it and see and see how far we can go yeah and the, the more that happens the the more games are going to have those kinds of features but mm -hmm. but yeah we will talk about that in a second that's a nice little teaser yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> first we of course have to talk about what we've been playing lately that isn't the last of us um, I guess let's start with you, John Luke. Uh, well, some that isn't Last of Us. I actually can't or talk watch. about We're it doing. or watch. Well, so Jake's not here. So I mean, let's just get right into it. Anime, <laughs> yeah. anime. Let's go. <laughs> anime. I've been watching Death Note again. Um, Dude, I just did that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, me and my girlfriend have been like just finding new stuff, and and I was like. We, we, we were like going through like the list of everything that like, you know, we've we're, we're like that we loved before we met each other and like, all right. So it's like, you know, we watch full metal. We've been watching, you know, played persona four and all this stuff and we're going through it and we're, we're, we're kind of getting to the end of the list. And one of them was death note for me that I had seen. She tried watching the first episode a while back and hated it. And then, and we we're like, okay, I was like, okay, that's, that's fair. Um, but then for whatever reason, we were just like, yeah, you know, let's give it another try. So we watched like first episode, then we watched the second episode. And by the second episode, she's like, I love this show. Great. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's all the time. such a Georgia show. I can't believe she I did know. like the first episode. It has a goth <laughs> girl in it. Oh, she loves... Uh, uh, Misa Misa. Misa. Yeah, she's... Um, <laughs> she's amazing. She's like absolutely Georgia's kind of girl. Yeah, um, my mom hates Misa Misa. Everyone hates Misa. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, <laughs> my like, brother and I forced my mom to watch Death Note like a couple of weeks ago. She we didn't really force her, a but perfect foil for light. Like you have these two, these two intellectual men who are like battling it out, and then Misa just comes in and, <laughs> like, and just fucks everything up just by being so <laughs> stupid. And you're like, I love you, I love you, Misa. You're amazing. <laughs> uh, that show is fantastic. Light's got mad incel vibes that like, I feel like <laughs> the, Facts. Play, playing it now or like watching it now after like seeing what the internet has to offer is like totally recontextualized. Offer. <laughs> uh, has recontextualized light in a real, real no good way. Not that he was ever good, but uh, oh, man, hit different. it hit different. I, that, that show, I don't know. I just love that show still. Like I think, um, like the battle of wits between between Kira and Alar is is so it's so good. It's um, so God, what a good. I mean, it's I love that the animation is like kind of shit too. Like, like yeah, it has like it has such good mid two thousands vibes. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I, I know it's like also because it, part of it's for like from the manga, but like Ryuk, like his face just never changes at all. 
Yeah. He has like that bug eyes. My favorite, my favorite shot I think in the whole anime is when um, Light knows that there's security cameras in his in his house, so he's like pretending to act casual. So he buys like a like a porn magazine, and he's just like looking at like pinups <laughs> of girls, and it's just this shot of him looking, and then Ryuk's over his shoulder, and his eyes are just bulging out, <laughs> and they're just staring right at it. <laughs> it's the most. Good shit. It's good shit. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really enjoying rewatching it. I was, uh, I was like a little worried. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I won't enjoy it as much the second time. Nope. Even better. Good. All right. We're going to keep the anime train rolling. Michael? Ooh, uh, I'm going to try and get through. I realize when I listen back to episodes, I usually take up the most time to talk about who's hitting me up on Discord. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I usually take the most amount of time to talk about games, but I'm going to try and get through these fast. I actually don't have that much to say about some of the things I've been playing. I'll start, well, to continue the anime train, I guess to talk about Sino Alice, which just came out today, uh, Wednesday. It's the new Yoko Taro game, and it's a mobile RPG with gotcha elements and all that. Uh, it's, it's pretty dope because it, with it, this being a, a mobile RPG, it's kind of like the, the expectations for storytelling are like they're pretty low. So Yoko Taro's be like, fuck it, I'm gonna go like balls to the wall, wild as fuck. And it, he basically takes um, fairy tale characters like Alice, well, Little Red Riding Hood, and characters like that from story from books and fairy tales, and then turns them into badass anime girls. Like uh, Alice fight. in Wonderland, Alice. Yeah, like Alice in Wonderland, Alice. Okay. Uh, and it's like this super dark and disturbing story that's kind of cryptic too. And then you it, it's it's got some really good artwork uh and it's got some it's got some really good music because the so yokotaro is the creative director and the composer for this game is the same composer as near automata Ooh. so it's like this music is i don't want to say oh this music is too good for a mobile game but in a way i'm like if you put this soundtrack over a epic battle in near automata, it would be like fucking perfect fit. Mm. That's how good this music is in this mobile RPG. Uh, but it's fun. Like I'm actually not too familiar with how like games such as fake grand order work or grand blue fantasy, uh, the, the mobile RPGs. Uh, so I'm having a little bit of trouble, like getting my head around how all these mechanics work. I'm sure people look at this, but okay, yeah, yeah, we are we know how this works. But for me, I'm like, what is it's a lot of menu stuff, but I don't know. It's free to play. It's a mobile game. Check it out. So, so wait, is it like, it's typical gotcha, like where you're like collecting different characters and they have like the different stats kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it's it's more of the weapons that are kind of like the gotcha things. So it's like weapons are also spells, and then you uh, okay. they have different tiers, and then you're supposed to roll with whatever. Like you get chests, and then you get the different types of weapons. Too then complicated you take those for me. Yeah, yeah I, it it actually is. It's quite complicated. You I had think. me. You had me at edgy fantasy girls, yes. and then you lost <laughs> me at. It's really complicated. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing this game doesn't do it, but I'm I'm just thinking about the idea of like what Yoko Taro could do with like a game that's like a has like microtransactions in it and like the kind of bullshit he could get up yeah. to. Yeah. Like I have, like I have you an need to pull your mom's him. credit card and, and pay in order to like <laughs> keep your other characters' games alive. Your mom's I, credit card. I have yeah. 
<laughs> I have an interview with him, or I did an interview with him in the lead up. I'm still working on the story, but I asked him about how he feels about monetization and how you're going to continue the story because this is an ongoing game. He says, I think the story will continue for as long as sales continue. Human greed <laughs> is never ending, isn't it? <laughs> oh my God! I and that. I love that. And also, I asked Taro him. Taro said, fuck capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> but he's more like, yo, as long as this is around, I'm going to be complicit. And you know what? I get it. Uh, and also, I asked him, like, has things changed for him since near Automata? And he's always like, or he said that, quote, I've always been stubborn, but once Automata became a hit, everyone began to say yes to my stubborn demands. Everyone may think that I became arrogant because I made a hit and got carried away. I'm upset because I've always been arrogant. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Wow. <laughs> Yoko Taro wow. has like that. It's like, it's like if Kojima was just like way more open about, I, 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 even more so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like Kojima just, pretends not to be that weird yeah. to some extent. Mm -hmm. Like Kojima's like, I'm extremely cool. And Yoko Taro's like, oh, I'm quirky. Like yeah. there, I, I remember another quote from Yoko Taro where he said something to the degree of like, they asked him like, oh, would you ever make like a sequel to this? And he was like, if you give me money, I'll, I'll do whatever. <laughs> like, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you could look up any interview with Yoko Taro. He says some wild shit. Uh, it, it's good. I think someone asked him about like, oh, why are all the characters in near Automata like sexy robot girls? And he's like, well, I just wanted to make attractive girls in my game. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I like hot it's anime not that girls. Deep. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not that deep. Basically, that's what he said. And I was like, salute to you, my man. Wanted to be but to look good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I guess, hey, shouts out. Uh, Y'all mentioned Hideo Kojima. Mm -hmm. Well, I have, been playing, I have been playing Death Stranding on PC uh, because Callie assigned that to me. And I am very glad because... <laughs> I am one of the people who absolutely adore Death Stranding for as bizarre or as ridiculous as it might get. It's not like, it's not that outlandish when you distill it down to its core themes. Uh, and I remember that as I'm playing this, I'm like, oh shit, like, damn, it, it, it is different too. Oh my God. Like, On PC. I was going to ask. No, no, no. Like in, during yes. quarantine. And during oh. quarantine. Duh, the world. Yeah, oh we, we've talked about death, the world, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about the world, right? I was like, whoa, the 4K, the ray tracing. <laughs> well, you know, that's ultra too. wide. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's there's an analogy for the pandemic right there. Yeah, okay, ray tracing. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Death Stranding is is it's it's different now because I mean, we've talked about it at lengths on this podcast last year. And all that so i don't want to get too deep into that but as far as like the pc version goes it's it's wild because i'm playing this i said this uh, alessandro and i are been playing it and we're like yo the frame rate is like too damn high <laughs> like this because we're so used to playing it on ps4 where it's like 30 or sub 30 fps mm -hmm. and it's fine for that kind of game because you're mostly you know doing the hiking thing and going from place to place um but here i'm playing on pc and like this shit seems fake it's like too good. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks and runs incredibly well. Playing ultra wide, just being able to have an excuse to uh, dive back into that stuff. Like I'm just w walking across grass as Norman Reedus. And I'm like, hell yeah. This game is sick. That game is <laughs> sick. I like, I don't know. I think I've been thinking about it a lot lately, partially because I know it's coming to PC, but just how. Everyone was like, 
what a weird and wacky game but it's like not it's not that weird like i it it, it has like really odd story beats but uh overall it's not that weird i don't know it's got that like whatever you want to call it like capital a anime or like soap opera e yeah kind of tone to it and so to me that's just like a form of of like storytelling choice rather than like like i don't know i know there's a lot of people who thought it was a really pretentious game and like i can see that i can see that that's that's just not how i read it you know Mm -hmm. i i I read my reading of death stranding was like it's such an earnest like heartfelt like here's just this concept of being good to your fellow human Mm -hmm. beings yeah, and it's abstracted. For 60 hours. Yeah, for, <laughs> or however long you play it. Like, yeah. It's abstracted in really weird ways, but overall, like, it's it's pretty digestible. So I really appreciate it. It runs really well on PC. Uh, it uses the Decima engine, which is what Horizon Zero Dawn uses, and Horizon Zero Dawn is actually supposed to come out on PC this summer. So if you're looking forward to that, it's probably going to run really well uh, as well. Nice. I'm really interested to play because I it's that's a game that kind of, I had to skip because my setup at the time was using a very small TV uh, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of really small text. So it was, Ooh, hard to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. but now that's coming out on PC I've changed my setup a bit, uh, kind of explain I'm right now I'm sitting in front of a 50 inch TV that is acting as my computer monitor and my gaming TV. And that's about a foot and a half, two feet away from me. So mm-hmm. when you mentioned frame rates and ultra wide, I'm like, yeah now i think about it now that you mentioned it og death Death stranding on ps4 there's a lot of small text uh, especially in menus when you're trying to navigate the map and read Mm -hmm. what your orders are trying to tell you what your quest objectives are and there's a lot of i think a lot of neat storytelling is told through emails uh, and there's very long emails Mm -hmm. and it's all text-based uh for that respect and i can definitely see that like having to miss out on that sort of thing because i i think there was like a text option for the ps4 version but i don't know if it only applied to subtitles or like main core text so i don't know if it helped the menu stuff at all i think there was a patch that came out afterwards that did increase the font size a little bit i don't know uh, whether that was just for subtitles or if that was across the board but i do know that there were some ui elements that uh, did not have uh the font size increase because that's that's hard to do once a game is kind of already out there. Outer Worlds right. was actually the only one that kind of like actually made that happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause that was one of those games last year that also had small text, but then uh, one developer uh, at Obsidian basically within and kind of created a custom font size uh, setting for it. And he, he actually, he told me that he essentially did it in an afternoon, but it took three months to be able to fix all the UI bugs uh, that came with it. Wow. And thankfully Obsidian after launch was able to be like, you know what, let's add this in as a patch later on. And mm-hmm. it was, it basically changed the way uh, people can be able to play the game. And it was the first time I actually was able to jump in and I really enjoyed it uh, because of that. So I, it, it, I know how hard it is to add in that extra sort of font size uh, in a game that's already launched, but I think being on PC, hopefully, like fingers crossed that they'll add in a few little extra sort of things to kind of make it a little bit easier for people to read the text. Uh, yeah, definitely. 
Or, you know, at the very least, mods might help with that. I wonder if there's yeah. mods for The Witcher 3, speaking of. I bet Jake oh, would know. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, there are, I think. I, uh, I haven't played around with speci- uh, with those specifically. Uh, I know uh, there are a lot of really cool accessibility mods for Cuphead, uh, which was something oh, that uh, I was oh. very co- really cool to see. So That's cool. Yeah, the mods are great. I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Michael, was that the last one you wanted to touch on? Uh, I have at the time of recording or by the time this podcast goes up uh, i'll be able to talk about a exclusive or not exclusive a uh, ubisoft game i got to see before uh official reveal uh it's revealed now as y'all are listening to this but hyperscape their battle royale fps so all of you callie jean-luc steve plug your ears you you don't you don't know nothing i'm just uh, it's all good. I, I got the reveal. <laughs> I got the reveal like two weeks before you. <laughs> oh shit! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in that. your face, and, Michael. And, and, Damn! I thought and, I was NDA, awesome. And, and, NDAs. I can't. You know. uh, <laughs> I watched your videos earlier. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, we have. I think Tony and I did a discussion video, and mm-hmm. then I did like a breakdown video, and then. I, <laughs> Uh, so I don't really want to get into it. it. It actually does some some neat things. Uh, so you can check out those videos to get like a detailed breakdown of all these different mechanics. Uh, I think it's worth giving a shot. Uh, but if you're burnt out on Battle Royale, I get it. Uh, it's uh, This is for someone who's looking for more of an arena shooter style game. Uh, I think the most important thing to note is that its respawn mechanics are really interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. It's free to play. Uh, there's a tech test at the time of this recording. I don't know exactly how you get into that, um, or if you can, but stay posted if you're interested, uh, cause Ubisoft will of course be talking about that as they inch closer to, I guess, um, Ubisoft forward or whatever they have planned for that. Uh, but I just want to shout out the gameplay video that we got because <laughs> when, so when we, we squatted up, everyone squatted up for the, it was like a big press event over discord. And then I squatted up with Khalif Adams. Who's been on the yeah. show. And Blessing Adeoye Jr. Who's, who's been also on been on the show. Two of my great I, friends out there. I love those two guys. <laughs> yeah. They're the best man. Mm-hmm. I, I fucking love Cod and bless. So we squatted up because I hit them up on Discord. I'm like, yo, let's take these fools. Every time we jumped in the match, we played like 10 matches and we're like, all right, this is a W. We're getting a W. It's like, we're getting a dub right now. We just got our ass whooped, bro. The last, the last match we played before we had to break out into interviews, we're like, yo, this is the one. All right, we got we to gotta do this. And I said, okay, y'all better, y'all better play your A game because I'm recording this. I'm trying to get the dub for, for GameSpot on YouTube and shit. Because I got to look good. But I, I, I trust y'all. Uh, so we, we actually got the win. You'll be able to watch that. And Woo. it has, yeah, it has the voiceovers too. And just like bleeps after bleeps <laughs> after bleeps. Uh, it, it's, it's really good. It's, oh, it's so funny. At the end, we were just tripping balls, yo. Because uh, we, were, we were panicking in, in many ways because the way the game works uh, at the very end, there's some neat mechanics there that really ups the ante in terms of the intensity. And we were just tripping. And when we won, we we're like, yo, look at us. Look at us. Who'd have thought? Not me. Like, you <laughs> literally, Bless and I literally said that in sync, and you could hear it on the video. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. In uh, cause, That's like, the real W. Yeah. And cause like a dad to us. He's he's always he's like commander and giving us orders and stuff. And we're like, okay, oh. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I played Warzone with COD. He's very much like that because uh, he was like, I was playing with uh, Andrew Renee, and we were, the three of us were kind of like, tr- like trying to figure stuff out. And COD's uh-huh. like, "All right, let's go here. We got like, we got <laughs> yeah. to get into, we're gonna get we're gonna get cream. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, Commander Ka right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I'm like, "Yo, just tell me what to do, and I got you, man." Uh, so that was oh, that was so much fun, man. I love I love those dudes. Those are my guys. Uh, so. Yeah. As of the time this goes up, you can watch all of those videos on our YouTube and everything. Sure can. And I'll have written versions Hell of all yeah. that stuff as well. So mm. that's kind of what I've been playing this week. You've been up to a lot. Michael works constantly. Uh, <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. Define work. You need a break, man. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's always so weird when you work in games and you're like, man, I've been working so much and people kind of look at you like, uh-huh. It's like, like you yeah. play video games for a living. I was at work. It's like, and I'm oh. like, no, I've been in a constant existential crisis for three weeks because of my Last of Us 2 review. And everyone on Twitter is mean and I want to cry. And you're like, it's a lot of work. It's emotional I, work. I feel you. I feel you. I totally get it. Oh, I'm sure. Facts. Um, All before, facts. We, we, I keep bringing up The Last of Us, but we are not done talking about what we've been playing. Steve, it's your turn. Uh, so uh, I, I guess like I'll add a little, I didn't put it in the breakdown, but it's kind of leading on to the, sort of the anime uh, discussion. I yes. have been, uh, like, it's, it's anime adjacent. Um, I, I've been doing my yearly uh, watch of uh, the Matrix trilogy. Uh, I've been doing it literally since the last, uh, the, well, I've been watching The Matrix pretty much every single year since 1999, uh, and it's literally it is my favorite movie of all time. I mean, I even got this oh. bad boy as uh, as basically that's been in my like that I've man? had this. For, oh, it's Johnny Silverhand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I've had this for like almost uh, almost I'd say 17, 18 years at this point or something. If like you're that. listening to the audio, it's a bust of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> As Neo, As Neo from the Matrix, yeah. like yeah. the size of your head, it's beautiful. Mm, I love it. Uh, so <laughs> I've been watching. I watched that uh, quite a bit, and because uh, th- like this time was like a perfect time because everyone was sort of talking about cyberpunk a lot, and uh, I was like, I just need, I just need my Keanu fix. Mm. Uh, I need my whoa moments. Um, so I, w- I was watching that a lot, and then uh, I've also. Other than Last of Us, I've been playing uh, Destiny 2. Um, yeah. It's, it's one of those games that I didn't think I was like I was going to like at first. I didn't actually jump in uh, when it kind of first came out. Uh, a funny story is that um, in 2018, I had a friend of mine that I've known for now 15 years. Uh, and I knew he loved Destiny. Like he was a streamer. He streams exclusively Destiny. And I wanted to jump in. And then PlayStation put Destiny 2 forsaken as it's a free ps plus game of the month mm. and i downloaded it and i asked him, i was like hey could you maybe like sherpa me through this and, and kind of help me out and maybe we can stream this together and uh he said well I, I i absolutely would love to but i gotta let you know i suck at this is probably just as much as you do it'd be like the blind leading the blind <laughs> and oh. i and i said well that's what we're gonna call it so we started up a stream <laughs> Uh, in in early October, uh, shout out to to, to T Morris. He's the the T monster on Twitch. Uh, him and I, uh, every single like pretty much almost every single week since October 2018, we've been getting together and playing Destiny 2. Oh, and, heck yeah. and, like, and it was it was so cool, and I love the new season better than the old the the, the previous season because oh, I thought it was way too grindy. 
It's and terrible. Just too slow. <laughs> I, I like I, the only thing I liked about it was when the Almighty fell, and yeah, 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 then cool. I was like, "You wait an hour for five minutes? I don't get it." But My whatever. girlfriend uh, was so mad at me because I was like, "Hey, they're dropping this thing at like eleven <laughs> o'clock or whatever it was," and I was like, "I'm just gonna hop on. It'll happen real quick." I'm waiting there for like an hour and a half, and I'm like, "No, no, no! It's finally starting. Like you can see the the missiles are slowly hitting this thing," and she's just like, "I know you like this game." <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just—it was—it would seem very anticlimactic, but I'm like, yeah. you don't understand. There's but there's missiles coming from from Mars or from the Moon or wherever it's coming it from. Takes a while. It takes a while. It takes. Yeah, exactly. Escape uh, velocity. So, ex- yeah. 100%. Realistic. Uh, so uh, and I'm I'm loving this new season. Uh, jumping in, I'm really excited for Beyond Light in September. Me too. Um, and yeah, I've just man, uh, I I play Warlock. I'm on PS4, and I don't care what people say. Warlocks are great, especially it's an accessibility thing. The Warlock jump, best jump in the game, and mm. I am actually able to do all the platforming stuff because oh. of that jump alone. So, <laughs> yeah, don't knock me over. I think Warlocks are good. I think Hunters, hunters are the Titans. ones that are – Hunters are getting a hunter. lot of shit lately. I'm a Hunter. I'm, a, I'm all about the Hunters. Hunters are great. Though. I won't. I won't knock that. But I mean, y'all didn't show up for the for the Guardian games, where the Titans just basically spanked everyone. I couldn't. (laughs) I mean, that was probably like the lowest point where I just could not care. I was like, I. I was okay with taking silver. I'm fine with that. Let's let's great. We'll take second place. So. (laughs) But yeah, that's basically that's basically what I've been playing. Awesome. Um, I guess I'll, I'll be really fast. I. I'm so, you know, I'm playing a lot of Animal Crossing still. I play every single day. And uh, today I did some absolutely buck wild Nookazon trades. So everybody be really proud of me. Ooh. Um, I traded 100 Nook Miles tickets for five mushroom lamps so I can build my enchanted fairy circle in a forest. <laughs> that's business. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. I love you. So I have now, I'm doing the, so what I'm doing right now is I'm moving all of my rocks into a circular formation. And the way you can manipulate uh, where rocks spawn is by understanding how they spawn. Um, So you can break rocks with fruit power. This sounds absolutely ridiculous, but you can break them and then they respawn within a day. And you just have to put items on every other square of land where a rock could spawn. Um, and occupy that space to force it to spawn where you want. And in my case, in a circular pattern, so I can have this enchanted forest thing going on. Um, So I've started putting down my mannequins. And the reason you use mannequins is because if you alter the design, um, the mannequins go away. So it's, it takes a while to put them down, but there's no cleanup. Um, Mm. It's going to take me like a full week to do. (laughs) I'm really excited. I've heard that, that, I've heard that grind is tough for, for Animal Crossing. Yeah, I it it's I'm excited to do it. I love these long-term projects. I'm excited <laughs> to finally like have an area on my island. I, I focused a lot of my design on my flyover. I wanted my flyover to be really impressive when people came to my island. Um, so I did that and then um now I'm gonna go from there. I kind of have this enchanted like waterfall kind of I I my island theme is like kind of cottage core, but like kind of like 
a little bit of magic in it. And related to that, my inspiration has been, um, I've been watching Outlander, which is the twilight of Game of Thrones. It is just, it is, it's fantasy, but a romance novel. Okay. Um, so instead of werewolves, there's dragons. No. There's, there's neither. <laughs> I meant as in, it, there's like, it's about a woman who travels back in time and then falls in love with a guy in the past and then... Oh. So it's but, an isekai. And then it's, it's an, it is absolutely an isekai. So we're back on anime. So it's an isekai, <laughs> a live action isekai about a woman in Scotland. She's British, but she's in Scotland. She travels back in time, but she has a husband in her present day, which is like 1946, and she travels back in time, and then she meets this ex- incredibly sexy Scotsman. Oh, no. And then she's like, "What shall I do?" And then, um, <laughs> then as, as the age-old story starts, you go back it, in time, fall in love with a Scotsman. Yeah, mm, same yep. old I mean, tale. Like, is it cheating if your husband hasn't been born yet? Like, you know, right? Whoa, right? <laughs> these are these are some deep questions. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um. It's really actually a super graphic show, like a lot of sex, a lot of like sexual violence. Okay, a so lot, that's, oh, sure. that's the Game of Thrones part. A lot of murder. Um, it's set in the 1740s and and it's just before there's a Scottish, in real life, there's like a lot of like historical shit going on. So like in real life, there was a rebellion against the British crown. And so like they're preparing for that. And she like knows he'll die. So they're like trying to stop it or whatever. I've been watching a lot of that. It's really intense. The So I'm just kind of like, I'm going to take the magical fairy selkie shit from the show and apply that to my animal crossing island oh okay um, i mean yeah you you watch a lot of trash like you own it too like. dude i watch so much trash i watch i've been watching 90 day fiance 90 day fiance before the 90 days ended now we're on two different versions of 90 day fiance 90 day fiance happily ever after which is a follow-up season <laughs> 90 Day Fiance <laughs> Kiwami. I love that so much. Oh. And then 90 Day Fiance, the other way, where they moved to not the US. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, I got it. Okay, I follow, yeah, okay. And um, there's a woman who's moving to Jordan, and she just doesn't understand what that means at all. So that's what I'm up to. Also, Love Ooh. Island. I watch Love Island every week with my girl. 90 Day Fiance <laughs> Royal Golden <laughs> Kiwami. I don't know. That yeah. sounds dope. That is. That's Definitive it. edition. Oh. Absolutely. So welcome to my life. Mm. Um, let's go ahead and move wait, wait, on wait. to our... What? Before, sorry. Before we get off, I'm, I'm here with Michael. Jake's not here. Prime opportunity. Where are you at in Sailor Moon? I need to know. Uh, I'm still in season one. Uh, I think... I mean, uh, I am too. It's like 60 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Each season is like 60 episodes. Uh, so I have, we have Sailor, Mars, Jupiter. Did wait, you get no. Jupiter? No, we're, well, I'm about to get to Sailor Jupiter, but okay. Oh, man. So, so yeah, real quick, since uh, like fuck you, Jake. We're gonna um, Sailor Moon. Is <laughs> I shit. just for the record, Jake upgraded his stance on anime from no anime to some anime Facts. because of the cyberpunk. The first thing he said to me the day the cyberpunk, he like he like was like, "Callie, have you heard the news?" And I had like just woken up, and I was like, "What?" And he's like, Trigger's making a cyberpunk anime. And I was like, you know what Trigger is? 
Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, I, you know, the one thing I'll say about Sailor Moon is that it's the most comforting thing to watch for me. It's, it really is. It's so delightful. It's, yo, that shit is funny as fuck. <laughs> no, it's like, like legitimately it's legit really funny. funny. Animation is like, I, okay, so like I, Sailor Moon gets like a rep for like, low budget animation which is like true because it's like they reuse that shit but the actual like drawings are like really well done like that show looks beautiful questions for both of you are you guys Uh watching the sub the dub or the viz redub the viz redub good uh i'm watching the sub because the viz viz sub so it's like viz redub fixes the kissing cousins drama yes i've heard uh, it turns them back into lesbians yeah hey shouts out to lesbians you know what i'm saying <laughs> uh, shit. Yo, though, you haven't got there yet I, I don't know if you've got there there's a plot thread that happens right before jupiter shows up that is like in 2020 i'm like this is problematic and weird oh shit i have yeah i haven't gotten there, there yet. there's like some weird know. like a girl falls in love with like a dude who's like probably in his 30s and she's like 14 15 and i'm like this is weird anime thanks, <laughs> thanks. otherwise uh, i have like a little ptsd with with sailor moon because obviously with the last name of sailor not spelt the same way uh, but uh, last name of sailor i was called sailor moon so much as a kid oh, really? wow. i was like yeah and i got like i got like so mad that i'm like i've never watched this show oh, and uh shit. And I'm like, but as an adult, I'm like, you know what? I, I've been hearing so much about it. I've, I've, I've been trying to slowly dip my toe into anime. Uh, I just finished Evangelion uh, for the first time not too long ago. My man. Uh, I, I, I love that. And I've been sort of trying to dip my toe in either Avatar, Full Metal, or Yes. You can't go wrong sure with any of those. Yet. All okay. of those are right, Avatar cool. is a perfect television show. Avatar is the perfect television show. Okay, okay. I would I also argue Netflix Canada, so. Full Metal is close to perfect as also, well. Also, yeah. I just, I love Avatar. It is so important to me. I love it so much. Mm. Perfect show. Sailor I, Steve. I, I think that, it's, uh, hey, I get it. It's fine. Uh, I'll totally um, be fine with Take that, that so, as yeah, a compliment right, now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll, we'll I'll, dive to... into, I'll dive into Avatar. I'll dive into Avatar next. Good. We'll have to have you back for like an anime book club after you've watched some of yes. those and we can yes. chat. Um, yeah. But yeah. I am on uh, board. Anime is good. Is the, it's good and bad as all things are. That's, I don't know. A, that's a box um, quote for you. As, <laughs> as the last half of Evangelion or the last few episodes kind of proven to me, I was like, wait, why, why are we in, why are we in uh, his head the whole entire time now? Like <laughs> what, what's going on? Yeah. Um, anyway, we should probably move on to some topics. We got a really brief one that we'll start with. I know we've been like totally teasing this last was conversation, but we're first going to talk about the Crisis Remaster, which was delayed um, after a very unfortunate. Uh, it was a leak, wasn't what, it? What yeah. happened? So, so, so they leaked the, the the teaser trailer, which was supposed to come out today at the time we were recording. Uh, got yes. leaked a day early by I think Microsoft accident, and everyone looked at it and was like, "This just looks like the PC version of Crisis. This looks terrible, or like not terrible. It just it doesn't look remastered." So gamers at all. did what gamers do, and they were really upset. 
And then they basically were like, uh, hey, we heard your concerns and we're gonna it's getting delayed a couple weeks, which <laughs> I don't really know what you can do in a couple weeks. I hate this. I hate this. I wish that's never happened before. It's so weird. Dude, there is this one Simpsons quote I think about all the time, and it's, I don't even know the exact word-for-word quote, but Bart is complaining to Comic Book Guy about something, and Comic Book Guy basically makes this comment, like, not art, like, art isn't for you, like, the creators don't owe you anything, kind of, like, shit, and I was just, like, I think about that a lot, and I wish I knew the exact quote, because it's way more funny than the way i said it but I mean, um yeah it's like the thing is yeah. like i do agree with those people like because i watched the trailer and i was like yeah it just kind of looks like crisis like it, you know in in the sense that like if you were you're being pitched a remaster you're being pitched like it's gonna look amazing it's gonna you know have all these like new bells and whistles at least from the trailer they showed i was like yeah it just kind of looks like crisis which is like whatever to me it's but like, more like the reaction, the, the fact that they responded so quickly is like bizarre and, and I'm not even sure what they could like <laughs> do about it in like a couple weeks. Say, like it, I'm yeah. just like, how could... What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, and like on a some remaster, texture mods. <laughs> a remaster is so much more than just the game looking better. Like maybe it looks similar, but there's, there's going to be under the hood stuff. Like it's just... Right, I mean, it's going to run on on you know modern consoles. They yeah. oh. said apparently it's going to come out on Switch, which is like that's that's crazy, crazy. cool. But like, <laughs> I, I I guess I can understand like if you're like a PC player who loved Crisis, which I guess you would only be that person because it never <laughs> came out in other systems. <laughs> like you would be a little disappointed of like, oh, what's the point? Like, why do I need to buy this? Yeah. Um, and I would say, grow up. Hey, I mean, I saw I saw like the leak trailer as well, and like and like to me. I don't know. It looked it looked fine to me. I mean, then again, I don't know if you want to trust the the word of a blind guy, but I mean, it looked fine to me. So I don't understand. <laughs> I, mean, the, 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 the I think that's the crisis. It. That's the crisis's credit. Like that game still looks really good. Like yeah. you could you could argue they didn't need to do that much to like modernize it because it like looks so amazing. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's crisis. Well, Maximum yeah. gamers. <laughs> Did you know that uh what is it Crisis Warhead? Dude, this is like peak like like oh no. This is it, it, they they called the graphic settings like like based on like the specs of your PC. So it was oh, like, yeah, like, like gamer the, enthusiast. Yeah, it was like gamer is like hardcore enthusiast was like the maximum setting name and it's like Mm-mm. this is your fault. Like you've created these monsters <laughs> by like doing that. Yeah. You know that, yeah. right? Like you've created your own monsters and like yeah. now they're mad at you and it's like you did this to yourself by calling that. Yeah, as John Mulaney would say, I don't care for that shit at all. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to the main event because I think everybody here has been really excited to talk about this. And hopefully everybody listening is like, fucking finally shut the fuck up. So (laughs) we're going to move on to The Last of Us Part 2 and its many very impressive, very important accessibility options. So Mm -hmm. Steve, I'll let you kind of Take it away. Yeah. Uh, so, again, full disclosure, I did uh, consult with Naughty Dog on uh, The Last of Us Part Two in um, helping to provide feedback and, and options and suggestions for some of the 60-plus uh, accessibility options that are in this game. Uh, and 
to kind of put it in perspective, uh, of if if you're not sort of familiar with the, with what accessibility has been like in gaming for the past several years, um, and let, we'll use sort of like The Last of Us as an example. When the first Last of Us came out in 2013, um, there wasn't really any accessibility options, or at least options that were considered for accessibility at that time. And even in the gaming sphere, like there wasn't really any game that kind of focused in on that. Some had subtitles and some didn't. I'd like to like, kind of point out that uh, Assassin's Creed, the first one, didn't have subtitles at all. And uh, they didn't have that until two. And so that like that's kind of where the state of accessibility was at that point. And then jump to now The Last of Us Part Two, and we're seven years later, and we're now even kind of jumping into a new generation to see these amount of options that are available, it's like they set a standard that now all other studios are gonna have to catch up. Um, like uh, put in perspective, essentially in the accessibility side, this is a moment in time where we're gonna be talking about accessibility before The Last of Us Part Two and after The Last of Us Part Two, mm -hmm. And there are just so many amazing settings. Um, and if, if for those of you, uh, like, I don't expect everyone to, to know about the, the reaction video that, um, that I did when I, when I saw the accessibility settings for the first time, I knew going into it that there was definitely some uh, amazing accessibility options uh, just from consulting with it. And like, I knew it was gonna be a game changer at that point, but it was getting the final, uh, final game and turning it on for a review that I was doing for, uh, can I play that with uh, my colleague, uh, Courtney Craven, um, who was handling the deaf and hard hearing side where I was handling the blind uh, side. It, when I turned it on, at the beginning of the game, you have the option to be able to turn on three presets. Uh, there's uh, blind and low vision accessibility presets, there's deaf and hard hearing accessibility presets, and there are motor accessibility presets. And that is because there are so many options in this that Dog was like, you know what, we're just going to, instead of you having to manually turn on every single setting for this, we're just going to give you, here's a preset template of all the settings, and here's a list of everything it's going to turn on and enable. And of course, at that point, even at the beginning of the game, you have the option to be able to turn on text-to-speech. So as I was going through those and looking at all the options, I could hear the text-to-speech read out all the accessibility options in, like, in my head. And it was seeing that and just seeing that there was so much there that like, I didn't think that I was going to cry. And when I recorded it, it was originally going to be a hype moment for my review video being like, yes, this is amazing. Let's celebrate the amount of accessibility options. This is so cool. It was going to be kind of like a get hype moment. But then when I, all those settings were being read out and I was thinking of all the hard work that we've been trying to be able to put in for accessibility for a long time. Um, and all the consultants uh, that I've worked with and students I've worked with, we've been trying to figure this out for, for quite a while and seeing a studio do this so well, I, I just started crying and bawling and uh, I, I was crying for like a good solid 10 minutes. Um, and after that, I was like, I, I can't put this out. Like I, there's nothing I can do with this. I, it sat on my hard drive for two weeks. And until like literally five minutes before I posted it, I wasn't going to do anything with it. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll edit it into like a Twitter clip or something. And I was, uh, even then I wasn't even going to put it out. And then I was encouraged by friends and, uh, and colleagues and, and family that they're like, no, Steve, you got to put this out. And I very reluctantly posted it. And <laughs> 
and I I was afraid of the I was definitely afraid of the feed of the feedback because I remember that guy that got like absolutely ridiculed for crying over the rise of Skywalker trailer and I was like I don't like I don't want that to happen to me like I've seen like how that like how much hate that can that can conjure and but like when I as soon as I posted it and it started to kind of pick up I started seeing so many people uh love it and and comment on it and message me ab about it uh people from Naughty Dog uh, uh, so like, uh, I even had Ashley, uh, who plays Ellie. I had Troy, uh, plays Joel. I had Neil Druckmann. Uh, I even had Herman Hulst me like message me about this. And I'm like, dude, like, okay, wait, why, why, why? Uh, okay. Um, this is surreal. And it just, it just, it, it goes to show like just how important accessibility is. And I will say this, it, Last of Us Part Two is the most accessible game ever. It's not the 100% perfect accessible game because there definitely is a, a few things that obviously that they tried to do that, uh, um, that are not in this, uh, in the final version, but hopefully with future patches, they'll be able to add those in, but it's like, it, but it's as closest we've ever come to having so many accessibility options that we're able to like just, try stuff and just to see how things work like my friend Courtney it can I play that she was mostly working on like working on from the deaf and hard hearing aspect but there was a certain problem that she was having when when she was trying to use listen mode and it was hard for her to be able to kind of know what type of enemies were in the area and so mm -hmm. I suggested hey why don't you turn on high contrast mode and uh and essentially like she did and it allowed her to kind of like see a little bit more clearly what it was and like it's it that's what I love about it is that there's options that even if you like even if you don't have a disability or if you have a, a disability that uh, doesn't you, you think of a setting doesn't really work for you try it and see if it does I like I can 100% like and I have seen some of my friends who uh, even from the blind side like are completely sightless that can uh, have been able to complete the entire game um, and I think there was even an audio engineer that Naughty Dog had, had come out on Twitter and said that you can play this with your eyes closed or completely blindfolded. And that's how in depth this, these accessibility settings are. It's, it's incredible. The, excuse me, the, um, the first thing I did when I, I don't know what's happening with my voice. <coughs> the first thing I did when I um, booted up the game was look at the accessibility options. And I, I had no idea going into it. I like didn't expect it to be so robust. Mm. I went in because I always enable subtitles when I play games. I watch TV with subtitles most of the time. For me, it is an issue of focus and processing. So it, it's not like an, like an issue that I have. I just um, find that I, I uh, like- it makes it, it makes it more comfortable for you to be able to play. <laughs> exactly. I find that I'm absorbing the story more. Um, whatever it is, a game, TV, movie. So I did that and like even the subtitle options, like you can change like the color of somebody's name so it's easier to differentiate who's speaking. And you can like on screen, you can have it tell you kind of the direction of speech. Um, and so I was really impressed with that. And I was also, there's a whole motion sickness section. And mm -hmm. um, for me, motion sickness my, is so unpredictable. Um, and I know people who have it really severely. I have a friend and I, I tell the story sometimes because like it blows me away, like how much she loved the original last of us. And she literally just texted me to tell me she finished last of us part two just now. Um, 
she uh, dry heaved her way through The Last of Us. She gets such bad motion sickness and she wanted to finish it so badly. And I remember I lived with her at the time and we were like, I've heard this story. Please take a Dramamine. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And she's had this problem her whole life playing 3D games. She mostly plays 2D um, games or games with fixed cameras. And she she was the first person I texted about um, The Last of Us. Like when I, downloaded it and booted it up i was like you're not gonna believe this like y'all actually be able to play this game without puking like are you ready like are you ready for this um and for me it's funny that you mentioned high contrast mode because i enabled that i had that setting on um for much of the game because for for two reasons i found that i would get a little bit motion sickness well i guess kind of it's one reason that had two effects um i had a lot of difficulty with the looting aspect of the game i found you know, when you're just looting, um, maybe it was my TV, but I had a really hard time seeing the uh, loot on, like, it flashes, but I had a really hard time seeing it, and so I would kind of just, like, bump into walls and cabinets and wait for the button prompt, and that's not really an enjoyable way to play, so I enabled high contrast mode that I, I, you can toggle it with the the touchpad, and mm-hmm. I, it helped so much because I would just use it to clear rooms when I was done. And the comments on my review were like, you're so stupid, you can't even loot. But I was like, I, I, it alleviated the issue I had with looting, which is that it took a long time. And because I'm so thorough and so neurotic, I didn't want to miss anything. Um, it, it helped keep the pace up of the game. And then also because of my difficulty seeing the items, I um, would whip the camera around a lot to like clear all my corners in a room and that made me motion sick. So um, rather than uh, change the motion sickness options, which have to do with like camera shake and and motion blur and stuff, um, I picked high contrast mode. Originally I tried enhanced listen mode, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted and high contrast mode really was it. I just hit the desk, sorry. Um, And it, it just fixed like, it's such a cool thing because like, I don't have a vision related disability, but that option alleviated a problem I had with the game and improved my experience. Um, and it's, I think it's a, a testament to the work that they did on the accessibility that like it, these are modes that like anyone can benefit from. You don't, yep. you don't, it's not just like accessibility is really for everyone. Um, mm. And I think that actually helped me come out of the game with a more positive attitude than some people. And it's been really hard because I feel like in the discourse around this game, the capital D discourse, um, we've really lost the conversation about the game's accessibility. And it's like, that doesn't undo people's issues with the game. You can dislike the game's story or the combat or whatever um, you, you didn't like about it. But there's a lot of talk about different story decisions and Twitter drama and what's a game review really supposed to be? And it's like, are we not, are we just going to ignore the, the work that was done here? Because it's incredible. Like, I wish I had more space in my review to talk about it. I was like pushing 2000 words and I was like, I'm, I'm kind of on this, on this train of thought and I don't want to like take a break Mm. in my like nuanced critique of violence to be like a, but by the way, (laughs) Did you know you can close your eyes and play it? That's pretty cool. Um, But it was one of those things when I was reviewing it, I was like, I really want to have a separate article about about this. Um, And so hopefully we we can probably break this out or or 
use this discussion as a jumping off point for that yeah. because I really think it's worth um, celebrating. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like even kind of going to what you, what you were mentioning about it was like difficulty trying to be able to find uh, items in the game. And yes, high contrast mode is a hundred percent can be totally used for that, but there are like, there are layers upon layers of accessibility options um, and mm-hmm. kind of even add to like, okay, like to that particular issue. If you like, if you're like, okay, you know what? High contrast mode just isn't still doing it for me. There are two other options you can turn on yeah. that I can mention. There's audio cues. Uh, so if you're completely blind, this this is more kind of for those, but it's like even for me, I had it on uh, and it was absolutely fantastic where it well, there's an audio glossary that will sort of let you know what button to push at certain points uh, if you're interacting mm. with an item. And um, there's a distinct sound effect for each individual button. And uh, what's even cooler is that what proceeds after the uh, those uh, audio cues will be a sound effect for what you're gonna be interacting with. So like you walk up to a drawer and you, you'll hear the sound effect for triangle and then you'll hear a sound effect of a drawer opening and that lets you know, okay, that's a drawer and I can be able to open it. But it, and it does that for uh, if you're climbing a rope uh, I, I love it actually also as well. It, like it gives you like a little whinny whenever you're trying to like hop on a horse, uh, which is so cool. Um, but th- like, so, and it also like kind of pings in the, enti- in the room of where certain items are so that you can be able to know where to look or at least in what direction to be able to look. And then even on top of that as well, there are, uh, there's an option to be able to do auto pickup. So if you're just walking around, like unless you have to like open up something in order to be able to, uh, to find it, It'll just like once it once you do it, it'll just automatically pick up for you, so you're not having to constantly be hitting triangle all the time. And that's just that's just how that's just a little subsection of how subtle and how much layered these settings can can sort of interact with each other and and work so well. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. The audio glossary was like intimidating. I I was checking it out, um, and it it's like this laundry list of different cues, and. Mm-hmm. Like you can go, you can go through it and like get yourself accustomed to the the sound cue for each thing. It, I mean, it, it's and that's just like one. There's like five other menus you can go into. That's just mm-hmm. one section. It's wild. Did you? Did either of you, Michael or John Luke, um, like enable anything or mess around with it at all? Yeah, yeah. I uh, it's I mentioned uh, or you mentioned high contrast mode, and that's something that I use too because like Callie was just like spitting right there when you're saying about how like because at least in console games when you have to use a joystick and you can't really mess with the sensitivity too much. And for me and Callie as well, is that we need to clear out every room before we move on or otherwise it's going to bother the shit out of us for the rest of the game. (laughs) Even if it was like two bullets for my pistol or a a damn uh, bottle, half bottle of alcohol for crafting. It's Mm -hmm. like, um, I just don't want to miss anything and I don't want to, and I don't want to spend so much time trying to scavenge a room that's not story critical. So I ha- also use high contrast mode to be like, okay, let me make sure that I have everything here. And for like, when I play keyboard and mouse, it's easy for me to play games like Fallout or Skyrim when I'm when I am looking for stuff because I can use a mouse, and that's a lot easier for me. But on a controller, that I can get like motion sick or like it'll build up over time. Like mm-hmm. if I play for two hours and I'm constantly scouring rooms for stuff like it's gonna yeah, it adds up. yeah it definitely it adds up so uh being able to use that as a thing of okay i'm gonna be efficient during the non-critical parts of this game just so i can not have to worry about that is was incredible um but like like you said when you boot up the game and the like you see before you even start 
here are all, all your options. And I was like, damn, this, it opened my eyes. Like I always like to think that, oh, I'm, I'm conscious of how uh, the, the issues that other people have who aren't like me when it comes to being able to even enjoy games. But when I saw the menus, I was like, wow, I don't even, I haven't begun to understand the lengths at which games would need to go to reach out to such a bigger audience. And in that moment, I was like, oh shit, like there, this is going to be eye-opening for so many people who may have even, even thought of that before. Uh, so, and like when you tell a story about like, being overwhelmed emotionally like i can imagine what that what that's like man to free like your entire life of wow i wish games did this i wish games did that i love games but i wish games loved me uh in that same way and then finally having this big ass triple a title that everyone's so hyped up for to be the like the shiny moment of like what games can be for accessibility like i understand that man i i i feel you on that that is such a such a cool thing to see uh unfold and like it it warms my heart to know that uh a lot of people feel seen uh because of that and it's like okay and to have naughty dog that a first party sony exclusive title that everyone's been hyped up for to be the the example of that is that's strong yeah and it also, in, it, as well, it, it kind of gives a roadmap for other studios to be mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. now there's something that everyone has played and, and everyone, is, is, like, even with, obviously, the sales numbers that came out this week, the fastest growing, the fast selling PS4 title or PlayStation mm-hmm. exclusive, <laughs> uh, it, like, like it, this is such a, a huge deal, but it also, it gives a roadmap for other studios to be like, okay, now we have this example of, like, how a game can be made that's that is as accessible as possible and because every studio has been trying to figure it out and uh they've tr- like I've, even the studios that i consulted with like they're they're always trying different things and and they're kind of trying to figure out a roadmap and in a, in a, in a development sort of roadway to figure out what to do and now there's like this example that naughty dog is basically like hey do this and hopefully other studios can follow suit and copy it. I would love that. Sets a strong precedent. I I would be fascinated if, cause, cause you mentioned like the, the distinct audio cues for button presses. You think about how like video games have sort of like universal verbs for, for certain like button presses that just kind of translate to games overall. And that helps games, you know, it it becomes more comfortable where it's like, Mm -hmm. if I play a shooter, I know a shooter is going to have this control scheme. I would love to see. The universal language of a game. Mechanics. Exactly. Like I would love to see if if maybe like we would have those universal audio cues where like other games could maybe like take that and it becomes a standard where it's like any game you play, you know what the sound is, which means that button. And then that just becomes like a universal thing that everyone can pick up on because if like if we standardize that, then it just makes it that much easier to play a game because you don't have to then relearn mm-hmm. certain audio cues every time. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. And uh, if there's a standard or if this, uh, if, if myself or other kind of accessibility advocates and the voice we have like can be able to kind of keep promoting it is that, um, is that it isn't like accessibility is important and this will become the norm. And, and I hope it's going to become a, a topic conversation for, uh, for any sort of major game, uh, AAA to indie um, that's going to come out um, because I would love to be able to get to the point um, when I'm I'm reviewing a game for accessibility, to nitpick the accessibility settings instead of just saying why don't you have some? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Even the language of it, like like calling it accessibility settings is important. The fact that it it's the first thing you see is like so important. Like uh, there's so many times where you like, like Rockstar games are terrible about this. We're like, it just starts the game up and you're like, no, I haven't. I need to go turn on the subtitles. Like, I, I, and then you're like watching the opening cutscene without them. And you're like, ah, oh, this sucks, right? Because like the fact that they just went out of the way to have that up front and the fact that they, you know, labeled them things like motion sickness and like, you know, like visual impairing, like the, the, the language they use, like, I think just helps normalize it and make you feel very comfortable going through those settings before you even start the game. And I think mm-hmm. that is also like such an important thing to just like make people feel like, like welcomed to the game as well. It's like, it's like when you, when you, when you go into someone's house, like, Oh, are you good? Can I get you anything exactly. before like yeah. we do anything else? Like yes. you need some subtitles on, you need some probably high contrast do that. mode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I love that example. And, and I hope you don't mind. I'm going to steal that when I talk. To <laughs> Take it. Hey, it's yours. It's yours, man. Yeah. Um, because you're hundred percent right. Like, and, and, and that's been something we've been telling a lot of developers for years it's like stop with the cold opens because it's it's really mm. difficult for disabled players to be able to jump in and play when you have to kind of go through all that and 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 i get it it's a cinematic move to be able to make but uh like i i, I correct me if i'm wrong but i think the un, even the uncharted series also kind of had like had a few of those sort of like cold opens um but it wasn't really until uh i, I can't remember if, it was, if there was like that but i do remember it, it specifically in uncharted 4 they had that where you could be able to change the accessibility right. option right off the hop. Um, and, uh, uh, and other games have tried to be able to, like, to, to do that as well. And we're starting to kind of see that sort of idea of, uh, of the cold opens uh, like kind of dissipating. Um, there's still a few that do, but uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that that's kind of started to kind of go by the wayside uh, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then something I, I've been really curious about, especially with regard to playing the game, um, like, you know, only sound, like if you're completely blind, um, is, is it still enjoyable? Because sometimes, you know, accessibility doesn't always mean, not specifically in games, but it doesn't always mean like it's still going to be a good experience or like the experience isn't tailored. It's still like, it's a, it's a bandaid over an experience that is tailored to mm. someone who can see or someone who can hear. Um, what is your take on that specifically? Like, how do you enjoy the story? Like, like it's a pretty miserable, heavy game in a lot of ways. Like, mm-hmm. like how does that mesh with your feelings about the accessibility? Uh, so yeah, it is. That's something that even for uh, those like players without sight, it's something that we've been kind of like. Generally, whenever uh, majority of the time they'll play with someone that is sighted that can be able to like sort of explain and kind of like tell uh tell them what's what's happening um and that can that can be a bit of an issue uh with with this game in particular um there was one option that i wish they had in regards to that would make this a completely immersive experience uh and uh, i would love if they had audio descriptions mm-hmm. of what's actually happening in the cinematics uh mm-hmm. that would basically make this an extremely like 100 percent immersive experience um but if you're if you're playing this game and and you're only playing via audio um you can still enjoy the story uh in 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 all it's all its aspects you may not understand 
uh, a certain percentage of, of what's happening, but you can at least get the, 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 the main parts of it and the main uh, beats of, of that story and you can still feel that emotion. And I think in a way, uh, I know a lot of people sort of discussed of how violent the game is and uh, how visceral it, 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 the violence is when you're, um, um, when you're playing it. And I totally get that. And I, uh, but you have to also think of, there is an accessibility aspect to that. The mm. reason why that it may, it may be so visceral to you is because of the audio. And the audio engineers uh, designed that game so that it was it, it, it still was immersive for uh, blind players that they can still like when you ever hear a, uh, a coat rustling, blind players can understand that that's a coat rustling or right. um, by stabbing mm -hmm. someone in the neck as opposed to the stomach. Being able to understand that is is is, is a key and, and, and immersive, uh, and so I get it. It's, it is very like it like that's a very hard thing to hear, especially when you hear like the the death screams of a of a clicker uh, even after you've you've killed it. I get it, but for someone who's completely blind, like that just makes it, it makes the the world feel larger and mm. um, scarier uh, yeah. in, in a way because. Like when you play it uh, without sound, the jump scares don't really obviously don't affect any like a blind player. It's like, wait, what? What? What just happened? You hear like uh, you may hear a bit of a sound that sort of like, might scare you a little bit, but um, having that audio experience there, like even when you go into an area with uh, infected, it's it that audio experience. It kind of almost feels like an audio drama in a way, and it just yeah. immerses you in, and it makes that more scary, and it just it, it hypes that up for you. It's like okay, all right, I can get through this. I can get through yeah. this. And um, yeah, so it's a, uh, as someone like who would be like a, a completely playing this completely sightless, uh, that's that's kind of uh, why this game is so important because it's the first game that kind of really truly did that. Yeah, I, I guess mm -hmm. I, I didn't phrase the question exact like super well, but that does answer the question of, I, I kind of meant to ask like, is it built from the ground up to be accessible in that way? And it sounds like it is because- Yes. Like yeah. it's not, it's uh, not like an option on top of a game that was built without that in mind. It's a game no, it, that from the beginning was built to work for all sorts of different people. Yes, uh, they Naughty Dog did several things uh, right that we as consultants have been trying to get studios to do, and they started it from they started working on accessibility from the very beginning, and that's what we tell constantly is that you gotta you gotta start from the beginning because you you never know halfway down uh, the road when something isn't working or mm -hmm. it's not uh, you you need to be able to fix. It still gives you time in that development process to be able to fix it or come up with a better solution and it will be part of the tool so that later on down the road when you're kind of nearing production and you're kind of polishing everything up you're only fixing essentially bugs within that system instead of trying to tack all that all like accessibility stuff on on top of that so naughty dog uh did that from the very beginning uh they also it was a studio-wide initiative in in certain studios you may have one person or a group of people or even a small team working on accessibility and they're the champions of it within a studio but with Naughty Dog, accessibility was a, a, a studio-wide initiative from, from Neil Druckmann all the way down. Uh, they, made they made sure that accessibility was worked on just as much as uh, the gameplay or the story was. And they really, and that, that care to detail uh, really shows. And also as well, they brought in people like myself and consultants along the way to uh, provide feedback and to suggest options and suggestions for things that the developers hadn't really thought of before, 
And they were like, yeah, we can do that and we can work on this. And uh, that was like, that was really cool. And they kept bringing those consultants back and, and saying, okay, how are we doing here? Could, what could we be able to do to improve? And they did that throughout the entire uh, process. And they were also seeking out other uh, people as well. Like they sought me out at a, at a conference I was speaking at on a panel of, uh, of blind gamers at GDC. And I didn't know that there was Naughty Dog developers in the audience. And they came up to me afterwards and said, we want to work with you. Let's make this happen. Oh, and damn. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, let's make this happen, Captain. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like, so I, I, it's by doing those things, it kind of really made accessibility uh, such a huge part of the process that I'm sure it was difficult to be able to create, especially with creating this so many brand new options that hadn't been seen in games before. But it, it takes a team like Naughty Dog to basically be like, no, this is still important, and we need to make make this happen. And uh, uh, I'm so happy with the way that they that they went about it, and it's exactly what we've been suggesting yeah. for for years. Honestly, That's the real even, W. Yeah, mm-hmm. like even even subtle stuff. I think I think the game, even if you don't go in the accessibility options, just has quality like subtle quality of life changes that like improve the experience. Like I think the first time uh, you go to like when you go to a door, you have to like hold triangle to do it. Mm-hmm. I immediately expected it to be a button press. Like you were at a tap triangle. Cause I think that's maybe how the first last of us did or like games like Uncharted do it where you have to like tap the button to like open the mm-hmm. door. And the fact that they just let you hold it is like, even as somebody who doesn't necessarily have an issue with that, it's still like, I don't know, like after a while, like that just sucks. Like that sucks on your thumbs. Like, I think it's just like realizing that there are like certain ways that games do things that are like, you know, you don't need to do it that way or can be better for people. Like, cause I, cause I, I actually like, I have a friend who isn't in any way I would say disabled, but I remember we played um, uh, Resident Evil five and we, that game has like a ton of like button presses and there's that, mm-hmm. that button press at the end with the boulder where you have to like punch mm-hmm. the boulder. The infinite Chris boulder Redfield punch. punches a boulder. Yeah. <laughs> so when you play that game co-op, Chris is punching a boulder. And at the same time, Sheva, his partner has to like, climb up like a like a ledge that she's about to fall off it is maybe the hardest button mashing i've ever experienced in a game and he could not do it just like physically could not do it and that game has no ability to like remove that at all so it's like i think there are just things in games that like that just everyone is just like like just giving that option for people to to um you know improve on or like or just subtle things you wouldn't think of like i I remember i i saw some people make fun of or kind of like comment on the fact that um when you beat an enemy encounter ellie or you know will always will always say something like she'll she'll say a line to say that the Mm -hmm. enemy encounter is done and i saw people kind of making fun of that about how it's like well that's really obvious and kind of like eh but then i'm like but that also tells people that the enemy encounter is done and that's very important for people that need that confirmation God, that so, is such a good point yeah like, and not only that so to even add on top of that so yes there are those uh, moments where ellie will will comment like okay that's like now that's done or the or this room's done but there's moments where uh like your companion will basically say there's a gun to the to the left mm-hmm. uh and it's like okay yeah. i know exactly there's someone that is that like has a weapon that's to my left but even on like even as well like even the audio cues it's so subtle in in how amazing this is. There is a there is an audio cue that lets you know when uh, you've uh, stealth killed an enemy, 
when you've killed an enemy from uh, a rain shot or uh, or a gunshot. Um, but the, and like even as well, like not even just in the combat, but there's even a sound effect that lets you know when you're going into a cinematic and when you're coming out of a cinematic so that you know when to be able to con take control of the sticks again. Like that's how in depth mm -hmm. this is. And, and you said it right. It's exactly like that. The reason why those lines of dialogue are in there is hundred percent for accessibility. Yeah. And that, and that is just yet another answer to my poorly phrased question, <laughs> which was like, it was this something that, that came from the ground up. And, and I think that is, is the big takeaway is like accessibility is not like a patch. It's not, it's not, you know, a, a layer that you add on top of the game when you're done. It is something that you, you weave into the design of the game as you're, as you're designing it. And, and as Michael said earlier, like, which I really liked was that, you know, when you see something like the last of us part two's just, just the, the most complete access, you know, quote unquote, complete robust, whatever you want to call it, list of accessibility options you see that and you realize just how much you don't know as someone mm. who who games are catered to and i think that's really important for you know a lot of people in this industry you know be because by nature of what most video games are there are going to be certain types of people that are going to be more prevalent in the gaming industry because you know some of us, you know, being able to afford a console is something that is, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a prerequisite, right? Or mm -hmm. being marketed to, or being able to hold the controller. There's all sorts of steps along the way you have to meet. And there's a lot that you might not realize you don't know. And it's really important, like seeing this game made me think a lot about you know, the next time I review a game, how am I going to view the sound design or the visual design. And I had this a little bit with, with Animal Crossing because I did notice that most things with sound cues also have visual cues, except for like yep. one bug. There is one mm -hmm. bug you can't catch if you can't hear it. And mm -hmm. what, like maybe you can't use headphones, maybe you have a hearing impairment, but I, it was such a glaring omission to me because, you know, like the balloon has a sound effect and a visual effect, the shadow. like. There, the the catching a fish has a sound effect and a visual effect, and so it was a it was that one I noticed. But that was like the first time I I really mm. stopped to think about it in depth. Like I wonder why there's no visual indication for the mole cricket. It's also super annoying. I hate that bug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really annoying. I'm glad it's out of season. Bye. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I just think I I've been thinking about the conversation about The Last of Us a lot because it really haunts me. Every every time I review a game, I don't know how all of you feel when when you put your opinion out into the world, but um, it's a very vulnerable position to be in, especially if you were positive about something. I think there's uh, you know, there is merit to the conversation that's being had right now about game reviews skewing positive. I think there's a myriad reasons for that. But I think... You know, I, I maybe I sound like a baby, but people are being really effing mean about it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I 100% back that up. I've seen that my myself. I've been called a corporate shill uh, of, of giving it a, the positive review or just even the reaction video. Some people legitimately thought I was paid to make that video as a marketing gimmick for the game. Oh, wow. And I'm like, 
how um i don't uh, and and it's and just seeing the hate uh coming from it and like of course like getting tagged in, in a few like twitter conversations like i i, I kind of I would say 98% of the, of the reactions I had was positive, but right. the, the, the 2% was coming in from so many different directions mm. that they just were like, were so upset. I even had, actually it's funny. Well, it's, it's also very mean as well, but uh, I, I, it was, uh, I, I laugh at it because it was a comment I saw yesterday uh, kind of directed to, to the uh, accessibility. And someone had said, that they had wished that Naughty Dog hadn't focused on so much on the accessibility and focused more oh. on the story. Oh. And I was Woof. like, Are, wow. Yikes, dude. A, you don't know how development works because yes, the story people are 100% working on the high contrast mode. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah. needed to code it himself, you know, like it's the only way. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but it's just, it, seeing that discourse, like, I I think it's just from, from people that are just, like, they, they the negative discourse is from people that uh, either, A, didn't want to get it to begin with and was already had a preconceived notion of, mm. of uh, that they're going to hate it, so they're just mm. going to hate on it for the sake of hating on it. And and I totally understand, uh, Callie, like, that you were, that, it like it, your review while uh, i totally get and it's like 100% fair and it's and it's not the 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 10 out of 10 that people were expecting but that that like that's not something to to like rail against and that's not something to basically like send you mm. so many negative comments and and toxicity um because of it cuz that's the whole thing it's that the the, the game like you, it forces you to kind of come up with your own, with your own opinion and you can like it or you can not, but yeah. it's like you, you have, you, you can have, like, you're okay with having that, uh, that opinion. I just hate when people sort of force that opinion on other people. Yeah. And there's this kind of prevailing attitude in this discourse moment or whatever that negative reviews are more nuanced are better criticism are more like, like are more honest and I, I've seen games industry games media people saying stuff like this I saw I saw a freelancer tweet before the embargo went up like I can't wait until the real critics get to review this game when it's out or whatever Oof. and I was just like I don't know what year you're living in but I don't know like I saw another reviewer another person who reviewed the game talk about all the dad reviewers and all the dads who love this game and i'm like i don't know of a single dad who reviewed this game i know of like 10 women who reviewed the game like That's it's so not a good look if if any of you are listening to me which you're definitely not <laughs> it's not a good look to act like it's just a bunch of like stuffy white dads who review these games like i don't care what site it is there are there's a ton of people with different perspectives whose voices matter and like i don't think it's arrogant or controversial to say that like i think my voice matters on this game and mm. i just get really frustrated when people are like all these like shill reviews that aren't honest and like be honest with yourself about this game and it was like i was like i liked it i yeah. i'm not gonna pretend i didn't like it just because you think negative reviews are more sophisticated um and, and I just think you liked it. You didn't give it a perfect score, but yeah. you still liked it. Like, yeah. I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, I feel like I'm in this trap right now. I'm totally just rambling. But like, the last thing I want to say is that I feel like I'm in a trap when I review games. If I like the game, 
then like games media is going to treat that like a bad review. And if I didn't like the game, then I'm going to get people like the quartering making videos about me and mm, I'm fuck get that fool harassment yeah so he, like he harassed me on on it too well here he posted it the my reaction and said uh all like even my cynical cold heart is is uh, breaking because of this and i was like okay great but then i kept seeing so many comments of just his community like being so toxic yeah. and even jumping into my replies and being toxic and i'm like yeah like yeah no dude like uh, like i always i always err on the side of i want to educate people uh, in mm -hmm. regards to it like if you're negative and you're being a troll i want to educate because again mm -hmm. i get it accessibility is something that uh is is something that not everyone knows about and if you're curious about either my disability or accessibility in general i have no problem answering those questions and even jumping into those conversations even though everyone says ignore the trolls i'm i will jump in nine times out of ten and we'll and we'll do that but in this particular case, yeah, no, fuck the quartering. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Here first, folks. <laughs> we can all agree on that. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that, like, if we really want to talk about nuance in game reviews, there's room to celebrate the accessibility while still yes. being critical of the things that we didn't like. It, whether you liked the game or not, sure. you know, in my review, I still talked about the things I didn't like about the game, even though I overall really liked it. I think that, like, I guess I'm just really disappointed to see that, um, you know, I'm not seeing as much discussion of the accessibility, like, in the Twitter sphere of people yeah, that I yeah. follow um, as I would like to see. And so I'm just really happy that we, we got to talk to you about this. I know you've been doing like basically a world tour with people. I know you're on what's good games <laughs> to talk about this. And like, obviously um, it's not the only thing you can talk about, but I really appreciate you coming to like enlighten us mm. about what this process was like and um, give us more context because I have a greater appreciation now for what the last was part two did for accessibility um and and when you you know you said at the beginning of the conversation that like we're going to see it as before the last of us part two and after and i i understand that even more now like it really is unheard of it's unprecedented so we should take the time to say hell yeah about that i think hell yeah <laughs> end of my soapbox hell yeah. Anyway, hell yeah we've been we've been going for a really long time and i'm sorry we do have some questions i think i'm going to uh skip one of them just so we can uh kind of like wrap up a little bit faster but we do have one that i just want to talk about because it stumped all of us i think um really quickly if you have questions, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our Discord. If you want to join the Discord, you can email that email address or you can DM us. Um, uh, there's a lot of really awesome people in the Discord. I want to shout out really quickly Daniel Moreno, who made an incredible piece oh of art um, in Unreal Engine 4, I believe. That's my guy. Shout uh, out to him. With And it's a bar scene and there's a bunch of different game symbols and items to symbolize oh, a bunch of GameSpot that. people. I and legit it, thought that was a photograph. I didn't think that that right? was in, made in game. Holy cow. It was a render. <laughs> Daniel Moreno oh. is, I just, I, I know you're listening and I just want to say we had a field day in the GameSpot Slack <laughs> oh my. channel. We, like, Jake posted it and was like, there's a bunch of people represented in this and we all did like a, a like image search, not image yeah. search, what's it called? <laughs> uh what's it called like 
when we you, scan the scene when or you're a kid yeah. and you have to just investigate like yeah. a, where's waldo yeah i'm trying to find yeah. like, like which found ourselves little easter <laughs> eggs or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah. So everybody's going through, and I was like, "I'm Monokuma," and like Michael's like, "I'm the Joker mask," and like we're all finding. I love how like me, Ben, and Michael like ours could have been like completely interchangeable too. <laughs> yeah, like oh, there's like, like Joker, okay, yeah, and there's like Nauto, and there's like Majima. I'm like, Shit, that's all of us. All three of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was confused because wow. I was like, Monokuma might be Ben, and the Ash Hat might be Chastity, but it might be me. But um, it was just a testament to to how everybody is but yeah anyway um that's Huge a little advertisement for our discord crew and this question comes from email actually not discord this is from kevin from west hartford connecticut hey after dark crew if you could replace your inner voice with any game character who would you choose and we we read this question we were like huh i feel like um, i do this all the time just like naturally like i'll just i, I I, not with game characters, I do it with like YouTubers I'm watching. Like if I watch like a, if I go on a binge and I watch a YouTuber for a long time, their voice becomes like my inner monologue for like half a day, mm. which is like mm. really weird. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so I, was just I, mean, yeah, th- I mean, I didn't fall asleep to Markiplier's voice at all. That, that's that <laughs> thing. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, Markiplier. I want, you know, it's funny, funny you bring him up. Like I never, I know of Markiplier, but I've never watched him because I'm not his audience. Mm. I watched him play a, a a horror, a psychological horror RPG just because I wanted to know about the game and I could mm-hmm. not get his damn voice out of my head afterward. <laughs> <laughs> his oh, voice God. is enough. Like, so I guess I our want? answer is Markiplier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to think of one and like I can't think of one that's like a specific character because like uh, some of my favorite games, like I said before, were some like franchise games. So like, uh, of course, for me, my favorite games were like Star Trek games. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and I want uh, Captain Picard's voice in my head because I just want Patrick Stewart to narrate, narrate my life as, uh, as if he's giving a start, like a start date entry <laughs> to his <laughs> captain's log uh, because I want that to happen. That's beautiful. I love did, that. Did you know that Jean-Luc was named after... Uh... Jean-Luc Picard. That's true. I'm not French. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, but I'm like, wait, like I would thought that was a little too nerdy, but I'm like, seriously, you're, you're named after Jean-Luc Picard? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not French in any way at all. People like assume I'm French Canadian because I like grew up like on the border of like Quebec and like Vermont, but no, it's because my parents are like huge Star Trek nerds and they just really liked the name. So like apparently <laughs> that like is so dope. I love it. <laughs> the, 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 the way my mom tells the story is I guess they hadn't 100% figured it out yet. But like after I was born, the doctor was like, oh, have you come up with a name for him? And she just immediately yelled, John Luke. And then she like turned to my dad and said like, is that okay? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it was John Luke or Worf. So, you know, <laughs> I'm glad they went with John Luke. Scotty, too. Yeah, too. yeah. Scotty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We were, his mom, so John Luke, your mom is really into Star Wars too. When we, we had this yeah. joke um, that if, like, why didn't she name you after Star Wars? And then we realized Han Luke. So. That'd uh, been pretty good. Yeah. So it works on many levels. Yeah. But anyway, um, I she's think also, my answer. Uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, she's also really into the Matrix. You mentioned that earlier. She, she looks. Your mom is awesome. She, she looks just like <laughs> Trinity and she has gone as her for Halloween multiple times. Oh. <laughs> Nice, nice. Neo Neo uh, Psyche has a ring to it. Oh my god! My my parents also really like Star Trek, and I heard my dad. um, I'm staying with my parents right now, and I heard my dad in a work meeting talking about the Kobayashi Maru 
And I was like, do they know what you're talking about? <laughs> anyway. Uh, not, uh, I mean, not, okay, all right. Again, showing, off something, showing off something in my in my collection. I have an old school TNG oh, tricorder yo. that I've had since I was, I think, seven or eight years old. The batteries oh don't work in it, but uh, it, I've kept it ever since. And, uh, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's that's incredible. how much I love Star Trek. Well, this has turned into a Star Trek conversation, but I will say my answer is I want Dante Bosco, the voice actor for <gasps> Prince Zuko, to narrate my. <laughs> oh, that'd be that's pretty my, good. That is, yeah, Kuya Dante. That's my. That's my boy. Oh my god, Dante! I've said this before, but Dante Bosco is a an icon in the Filipino community. Shouts out to Dante Bosco. Fucking, I think he's like forty five, still looking young. That's Dude, my guy. What? Dante Bosco's on TikTok now, one. and he reacts to TikToks about his voice. Oh my! And I like, need to follow him. <laughs> there's a TikTok, like a song going around TikTok. That's like someone who sounds like Dante Bosco doing a rap as if he's Prince Zuko, and he talks about breaking Katara's back or some shit. Whoa! Whatever it is, it's very. Oh. It's like it's about it's about fucking. But like the, it sounds like Zuko <laughs> is doing it, and so I I watched a video of Dante Bosco reacting to the lyrics oh, and I being mean, like, "That's oh me." Um, so anyway, I mean, I'm I like I, I'm not gay, but if I were Dante Bosco. <laughs> Oh boy. Ooh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Oh Ooh, my God. Rufio, man. That's what got me. That's what got me as a kid. Mm. I was like, okay, okay. All right. I yeah. see. I his, see. Uh, his TikTok handle is the same as his handle everywhere else, which is Rufio Zuko. So if you want to go follow wow. Dante Vasco on the guy TikTok, knows. I know a lot about Dante <laughs> Oh my God. Did you like when, even before Avatar, he starred in a movie called The Debu, which in my community, since we're like a majority Filipino, for us, it was it was in theaters, and it was a Filipino movie in theaters starring Dante Bosco and uh, Joy Bisco, who's a cousin of someone that we know from San Diego. She's like a mutual oh, cousin of a mutual friend, and it was just like this wild experience of like being twelve years old. I'm like, what? Like, there's a there's a Filipino movie in in theaters. What the fuck? And so from that point on, we stand Dante Bosco. That's my guy. Hmm. So. Sorry, Kevin, that isn't from a video game, but I think oh, we're all in agreement. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my answer is uh, Sans. My answer would be Keith David. That's it. Ooh. But is he doing like yeah. Anderson or is he doing like... He's doing all of it, man. Keith David has like one one like tone and it works for every single thing that he does, including my inner monologue. He's uh he's Captain Anderson in Mass Effect. He's oh. uh he yes. plays himself in Saints Row Four. In Saints Row, yep, <laughs> which yep. is really yep. good. Uh, he's in he's Childs in the Thing, one of my favorite. He's movies. also in uh, in ATL, the movie with uh, Ti that I watched when I was fifteen and Keith loved. Keith David's a lot. awesome. I love Keith. Oh David. yeah. Oh my god. Oh, so yeah. that, that's a that's a really talk about people we stand. Keith David, man. Oh my god. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love that man. Um. Let's see. Um. This one, I think. Uh, I just want to shout it out because I, I don't think we have time to really talk about it in depth, but I do want to address it. This is from Joshua Jones from Modesto, California. Hey, Night Crew. Just a test of a nickname for the host of the podcast. I like it. I like Night Crew. While playing The Last of Us Part 2, I ran into an audio dialogue glitch, guessing near the end of the game where the subtitles are showing, but no audio from the characters. Music is clearly playing and I'm safe before the glitch, so I 
can hope for a patch for the game. Had a similar glitch in Spider-Man first DLC where a whole cutscene was glitched and acted like it was played when it didn't. Just wondering if any one of the crew has had technical glitches for this generation of consoles. Glitches that don't break the game, but break your heart. Aww. Thanks for reading this. P.S. I found manga and anime stuff on books in The Last of Us Part 2. There's, yeah, there's a character who likes anime. <laughs> Oh yeah! Like, like Jake's like, there's Pearl Jam, and then I was like, but so, did you hear the guy say anime? Because now you can't like this game. <laughs> Is it Jesse? Uh, no, it's not Jesse. Damn. It's um, Manny. It's Manny. Manny, who's great. Um, I I had a a horrible glitch in Last of Us Two. Actually, um, the game crashed at the very end during a very pivotal moment <laughs> of the game. Oh, it, no. it, it crashed, no. and we were just like. It could create, just turn it back on. Like we have oh, to no. see what happens. We're like, oh my god! I think and then, without even saying anything, I probably know exactly, know exactly. what you're talking about. You, you probably oh. know. It, I mean, there could be multiple, but like it was right near the end. And we're like, oh my oh, god! Uh, I my and but the funniest thing is, I was talking to my friend like a day after because he had just beat it, and we were talking about it, and he he apparently had it crash in the exact same spot, and I was like, oh my god! So <laughs> if oh. Naughty Dog's listening. Maybe you need to fix that because it might have not just been us, and that is a heartbreaking place to have that happen. Oh, um, I'll, I had, I'll send that over to him. Yeah, I love them. No, because they. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like games are so complicated. There's gonna be like weird. There's just gonna be weird things that you can't predict or I, can't catch. I can't. Like, I can't even get mad anymore. Like if there's like oh, a glitch no, or a bug, I'm like, hey, pff, shit, man. Yeah, like yeah, I feel like, bad. I'm like, oh, damn. I couldn't do better. I'm sorry. I made that happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, when I yeah. when I play games, it's like like uh, of course I see a lot of glitches and bugs all the time, especially when I'm consulting, because it's like okay, it's like it's not even fully mm. made yet. Um, but uh, I will say there's there's one story. It's not in regards to this previous gen, but it's also like it's a fun, like I, I don't know if it was an Easter egg, but it was a glitch that I, I, I turned out to be something really cool. So I don't know if anyone here or anyone listening has ever played The Matrix Online. Um, yeah. back in the day. but I again back to my love of the Matrix uh, of course I jumped into that in the beta and I absolutely uh, loved it um, but uh, there was actually a radio station that was a part of in that, at that point uh, which was really really cool but we found actually it was a bunch of us DJs in the station it was called Radio Free Zion we also we found out about this glitch that uh, we, we it, it sort of took you into a spot in the Matrix that you wouldn't think like you wouldn't have been able to know about but you know from watching the movies and we had to go into this really weird spot in the in the mega city and like and you have to go downtown you have to go into this basement and kind of go through this specific wall and you have to kind of jump down a little bit as if you're kind of like uh jumping through uh like uh, down some stairs and essentially you kind of like you go underneath the world and then you have to basically kind of like matrix fly your way underneath until you find this this really large box uh, that like you just don't know what it is until you fly in and all of a sudden you're in the infinite hallway of doors oh. from, the, from the, the Matrix sequels and oh. I loved that so much I took so many like screenshots and videos that I only have one video left of this day like all the other <laughs> rest I lost uh, oh. but it was uh, it was like one of those things like I don't know if that was intentional to be able to like have to go through all those hoops to, to yeah, that's get what in. I was gonna, I was gonna, gonna say, say that, that's like it's, it's part so of the war, to right? Do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it was it was like it was like kind of one of those glitches that turned out so amazingly well. That's 
I, that's a beautiful story. I, I like that's way better than like the game crashed and I was <laughs> during sad. the ending. I love that. I um I was gonna say I I did experience one in The Last of Us Part Two where I uh, opened a cabinet and then Ellie's arm got stuck like this and kept doing this like horrifying, um, like oh, weird right. like body horror like twisty oh, thing yeah, behind yeah. her stretch. Yeah, 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 like stretched outwards. I can't say like this because it's people are going to listen to the audio. It, it was stretched outwards as if she was opening a cabinet, but then it didn't return to her side. Um, and the I, just reloading the last autosave fixed it. It wasn't a big deal, but Alessandro Falari on uh, of, of GameSpot uh, called me because he encountered a glitch where uh, it's a fist fight you do kind of like halfway through the game with a very like large enemy, um, human enemy, and like he was like it's not letting me punch <laughs> and i was like he, he oh. called me he called me he was like please tell me i don't have to restart am i supposed to not be able to punch and i was like no you should definitely be <laughs> oh able to God. punch her like wow. <laughs> like i'm really sorry i think you're gonna have to load so i told him like he had tried reloading and restarting the game and i was like why don't you try going into the menu like the story select or chapter select menu and then mm. loading in from like a it's sort of fresh it takes like the last time you encountered that chapter and completed it it like has your Mm. the ammo you had so you're not gonna like lose like oh i had all this ammo and now i have nothing so i was like try Mm. that and that's what worked but he was just like i don't want to start over (laughs) oh Oh, Um, that's so heartbreaking yeah but um that's the that was another one that turned out happy, but but not as good as as the Matrix one. That that that's my yeah, that stopped here. Um, uh, and then I unfortunately I don't think we have time for the last question, but I do want to do a shout out to depressed depressed carbon. Wow, I really butchered that. Um, depressed carbon. Thank you for the question. I'm sorry we don't have time to get to it today. Hopefully we have time on another show. Mm-hmm. And I like your name. And then finally, a uh, shout out to Splat Tim. Who actually gave us a shite? A sh- a shite. No. Whoa! Shite out. <laughs> Kelly, do, having, you need, do you need another first, drink? First, uh, I said depressed, and now I'm saying shite. I like. I'm really whole another whole another meeting to splat Tim. <laughs> really, really struggling. We're at the tail end. I got this. I do need another drink. Uh, you got splat it. You got it. Tim gave you and me a shout out, Michael. Uh, Splat Tim says, quick shout out to Michael Hyam and Callie. Loved and appreciated your answers to my music questions last week on the pod. I enjoyed listening to the whole discussion, but y'all really mm, brought it. Yeah. I could talk about the music in P5 Royal, Undertale, and Sinar Wild Hearts for days. Ooh. So I just wanted to um, acknowledge Splat Tim there. Um, yeah. Any any final thoughts, you guys? We've been going for a while. I'm very sorry <laughs> to either oh, no, Luke or to Jake. Been, I don't know who's editing great. this. This has been so much fun, <laughs> but at the same, equally enlightening. Like I've learned so much. I've had such a fun time talking all kinds of bullshit, but also substantial stuff. So this is top tier s tier episode of GameSpot after dark you know what it I is agree. when you watch it yes. when you watch or listen to this episode man damn <laughs> then, then that, that is where we will leave it so uh as always we're gonna do the where can we find you and plug section of the podcast so we'll start with steve our guest of honor uh where can people find you on twitter um website obviously we talked about can i play that and uh do you have anything you want to shout out anything you're working on 
Uh, yeah, so you can, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Steve Saylor, uh, S-A-Y-L-O-R. Um, although I did years ago claim the regular spelling of it and say, this is not the Steve Saylor you're looking for, uh, and drink away the dry thing. So yeah, Beautiful. uh, Steve Saylor on Twitter or my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash snowball. Yes, I've had, uh, that is my actual That's URL. Amazing. I, I signed up in YouTube in like November, 2005. So I've had it for like 15 years, uh, <laughs> That used to be my nickname back uh, back in the day. Um, and uh, yes, you can go to uh, caniplaythat.com uh, where we have uh, amazing reviews uh, for video games uh, from an accessibility standpoint. Uh, we have a ton of Last of Us coverage if you want to really do a deep dive into the accessibility. We had some interviews with some of the developers at Naughty Dog. Um, we had interviews with all of the consultants uh, that worked on uh, the game as well. And we have uh, even some thoughts on some, uh, some stuff for motor disabilities where our mobile editor, uh, Grant Stoner, he actually can't play the game because he uh, has trouble trying to be able to hold a, a DualShock controller. So he's trying to figure out a hack by using, trying to figure out a way to be able to use the Xbox adaptive controller by mm. connecting it to a PlayStation. So he's trying wow. to figure out if he can be able to do that. So keep an eye on, can I play that uh, for that? Uh, but as far as even on my own YouTube channel, uh, actually, I literally just uh, finished a, a video that will go up It'll definitely be up by the time this episode airs, where I do a deep dive into uh, possible uh, accessibility in Cyberpunk 2077 based on mm. some of the gameplay that we've seen already. And I have some concerns and I have some hopes for the game. So if you want to check that out, um, you can go, like I said, youtube.com slash snowball, or it'll also be on caniplaythat.com as well. Awesome. John Luke, what about you? Um, I'm, I'm working on some cool stuff with Jake, uh, that's cyberpunk related. If you like cool lore videos, uh, that like dive into that world, uh, we're trying to get like, build up some hype around that game. And there's, there's so much to dive into cause there's like 40 billion rule books for that game that I've been like slowly reading <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, which is like a lot of fun. Uh, Luke, and we, we, we got to talk because I've, I've, I've been, yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, and then on... Hopefully, me and Ben will have something cool next week on a game that's coming out. That, I know the one. That if you know me and Ben, it, you know what we <laughs> like. We will hopefully be doing something around that. I mean, we got like, I was like, I'm going to, I have to, I have to do something around it. So uh, I'm hyped for that. Yes. Wow. We have been like, just what a tease. <laughs> I would say you piqued my interest. <laughs> uh, that, that's the whole episode. It's just how do we string people along until mm -hmm. we get to the thing that everybody wants? We just keep doing that until <laughs> we get canceled. Yeah. Uh, what about your Twitter handle? Oh, uh, at John Luke <laughs> Jake always forgets to. Uh, Michael. Oh, damn. You know, you can find me and all of my bullshit at Michael P. Hyam on Twitter. Uh, I, this week, has been wild. Um, I'm going to have coverage of Sino Alice, which I just talked about. I have a full interview with some of the developers and Yoko Taro himself and all of his wild answers. Um, Death Stranding PC coverage, got that up. Hyperscape coverage, uh, the Ubisoft Battle Royale game. Some play for all stuff as well. And also for to celebrate the 4th of July, I am going to have my Deus Ex 20th anniversary uh, feature in which I talk about how it is a takedown of capitalism. And 
Uh, Steve, I wanted to ask you if you know about Deus Ex at all because of your love for the Matrix and how there's like oh, so dude. many parallels. <laughs> dude, I am so going to check out that that piece for sure because, yeah, Deus Ex, man. Oh, my God. I wish we got to talk about it here. <laughs> oh my God. We'll have to uh, have him back on. Damn. Okay, yes. I am I am available. <laughs> man. But, yeah, I'm, that is, that's something I've been working on. Uh, I've been... Uh, chipping away at because it's it's pretty heavy as is so i want to like take a step back and make sure i'm not like wiling out uh but deus ex uh definitely means a lot to me it's one of my favorite games of all time mm-hmm. one of the most influential games i've ever played and it is more relevant now than it has ever been uh especially as an adult who ex- is experiencing the world as it is today so uh peep that when uh, the weekend hits Sweet. I so I don't have a whole lot that I'm working on. I'm actually just really looking forward to reading all of this stuff and watching these videos. <laughs> I I am super uh, intrigued about how the adaptive controller might work on on PS4 mm. because me too. That I, w- that I would be would something. That works. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I the, I guess the one thing I'm working on is uh, and the Animal Crossing update is going live. Um, it'll be live by the time you listen to this podcast. So I'm going to be checking that out. Probably going to try not to work over the weekend as it is a holiday weekend, but maybe Monday or something. I'll have some thoughts about swimming and Animal Crossing. Real hard hitting stuff <laughs> <laughs> over at my desk. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Inky Dojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. I can't change it because the uh, the having a verification badge really protects me from a lot of mean comments. Um, so I'm sorry about my Twitter handle as always. Thank you for listening. Um, we love you all. Thank you again, Steve, for coming by the podcast. Not, I mean, you didn't have to go anywhere, but thanks for joining our Zoom call. And um, hey, it, yeah. was, it was a pleasure just to join in here uh, in, via my apartment. Yeah, and and Leonardo says hi. <laughs> Len- oh, I didn't catch that. On that note, we will say goodbye, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye.